You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. My name is Pastor Scott. I oversee the kids' ministries here at Grace, and I have the privilege this morning of sharing from God's Word with you guys. And I'll just let you guys guess. What do you think we're going to be talking about this morning? Amen. Pastor Failure, they are, they are brilliant. <laughs> you, you are correct. They, you guys, I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys this morning. But how many of you remember back to 18 years ago on this day? How you're old enough to think back? Okay, this remind you, Y2K. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? So obviously we survived that scare and we're almost in 2018. It's amazing how fast uh, the years fly by, huh? So this morning we're going to talk about love and faithfulness. Before we do that, though, we're going to talk about some dynamic duos. Okay, so we're going to do a little interaction with you guys. So tell me some of the dynamic duos in history. Not all at once. Batman and Robin. Okay, that's a dynamic duo right there. The superheroes, Batman and Robin. What else? I don't know who that is. All right. Let's go to food. What are two things that go really well together? Let me make a sandwich. Peanut butter and jelly. Look at this sandwich. Mmm. Now, what can you do to make something sweet with peanut butter and chocolate? You would have what? Reese's peanut butter cup. If we look at uh, cartoons, we have Tom and Jerry. And, of course, one of my favorite movies, uh, The Lion King, you got Timon and Pumbaa. Okay, and uh, my probably my favorite dynamic duo in history are none other than Wesley and Buttercup. Who has seen the movie? You haven't. Your your charge in the year 2018 is watch The Princess Bride. It'll 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 change you. So, all right. So, have you ever got like a word or a phrase or a song like just stuck in your mind and like all day long just in there? Like, if you're from my generation, Susu Studio. Yeah. Or, um, you know, in the last five years, how about what does the fox say? Ding, da, ding, ding, right? Or if you go back to your childhood days, you might remember the song John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt because his name is what? My name too. So sometimes those things happen and it's called an earworm. And when something just kind of gets in your mind and you can't get it out of your mind no matter what, you're just driving down the road, next thing you know, the song kind of hits you again and you're like, ah! Well, Back in May, I was on social media, and I was um, reminded of a verse that I memorized as a child, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Probably many of you have memorized it that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So I, I put that on there and because uh, that's a great reminder. You know, hey, let God direct your path, and it's all going to work out. And when I did that, my old high school Bible teacher I've not seen in over 30 years, he said, that's a great verse, but hey, what about Proverbs 3? Three and four. And I was like, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I don't know what that says, but let me, let me look it up because I'm sure I've read it many, many times in my life. And so I looked it up and I was like, ooh, that's good. Like three and four go really well with five and six. And then I was like, hey, you know, actually Proverbs 3, 1 goes really well with two and three and four. And, and so over the mo- course of a few weeks, I ended up memorizing the first 10 verses of Proverbs 3. And what I've done over the last several months is I basically quote those verses to myself every day. And it says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they'll prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will be health to your body 
and nourishment to your bones. So every morning I quote that to myself. And then several times throughout the day when I'm driving down the road, I'm like, hey, remind myself again. So this morning before the 8 o'clock service, I was kind of checking my heart rate on my watch um, because I could feel my adrenaline starting to pump. So I looked and I was like, hey, my heart rate was at 70. And like right before I got up there at 8 o'clock, it was up to 105. It's like, whoa, your adrenaline starts pumping. I was like, am I going to get up there and go, uh, but fortunately it's, it's just, it's there. And so it's something that's kind of really guided my life. And so this morning I want to spend some time talking to you guys about how that applies in our lives. Here's the great thing with Proverbs. So many times when you read in the Proverbs, you're going to read a verse that's got a command and then there's a promise that follows behind it. And all 10 of those verses absolutely do that. If you do this, this is what happens. So in verse one, if you obey what's going to happen, life will be good. That's what verse two tells us. Verse three tells us this. If you show love and faithfulness, verse four tells you, You'll gain favor with God and man. Five and six tells us this. If you trust God, he'll make your path straight. Seven and eight tells us if you revere God, you'll have health for your body. And then the last two verses, if you give faithfully, abundance follows. So it's a guide. You could say, hey, if I do this, this is the outcome. If I do this, if I, if I do what God commands, here's the promise that follows behind it. So it's, what's interesting to me is when we think about love and faithfulness, we typically think about God, right? I mean, we're not thinking about love and faithfulness as being us. But here in this verse, we read it where God is saying through Solomon that don't let love and and faithfulness never leave you. There is a great uh, uh, reference I heard years ago when I was a kid. And it says, if you want a word from God, get into the word of God. So if you're saying, man, God, you're not speaking to me. If you get in God's word, if you get in the word of God, then you'll get a word from God. And for me, I did not know that morning when I wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that God was going to take what I wrote with a friend of mine I haven't seen in 30 years to say, what about 3 and 4? So if you're saying, man, God, I'm just not here, and well, let me just encourage you, God's word, even if you've read it, I've read Proverbs no t- hundreds of times in my lifetime. But never when I read it did it jump on me the way it did that day. And out of that, then God's going to just do some amazing things in my life. So when we look at... Love and faithfulness, 24 times in the Bible, it's mentioned. Love and faithfulness. And just about all those times, it's talking about who God is. Okay, It's not talking about us being love and faithful, because if you were to say, are you, you know, give me an attribute of who you are, faithful is probably not one of those you're going to say, because we all know that we, we fail people. We let people down. And there's a great verse in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, that talks specifically about faithfulness and God's love. Obviously Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 do, but 3, 3, uh, Lamentations 3 says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This morning we sang, he is faithful. Okay. When we sang that song, never once did I think I am faithful. I would never sing that or great is my faithfulness. No way. Because we know we've made too many mistakes, but when we look at God's word and we look at what he calls us to do, he calls us to be like him. He said, let love and faithfulness never leave you. I love the word picture, right? I mean, if you're a visual person like me, that's why I got so many slides, because I want to hear it and I want to see it. Okay? Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck, right on the top of your heart. That is, that's a visual for me that I can grab onto to say, that's what God wants for me. There's a movie from the 1980s called Back to the Future 2. Who's seen it? Okay, that's the one where they go into the future. They're 30 years, and so they're in 1985. And then they can see in 2015 things that they did back in those days, how it affected them years later. So it's kind of like, it wouldn't be great if we had a love and faithfulness time machine. 
If we could say, hey, if I'm love, if I show love and I show faithfulness in 2017 or tomorrow, 2018, what are going to be the effects of this later? What am I going to see 30 years from now? Some of us, in 30 years, we know where we're going to be, right? Others, we're still going to be here and we're coming into our 40s or 50s or whatever. Um, but we can see the effects of it. So if we had a machine and we could look forward, in that, in that movie, they did have the machine. And so Marty McFly and then we're going to go ahead and they were to look and say, oh my goodness. One of the funny things in that movie was, I'm a huge sports guy, I love the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, they had projected in 2015 the Chicago Cubs were going to win the World Series. And they didn't. I was so happy about it. Um, but if you're a Cubs fan, raise your hand, Cubs fans. I still love you. Um, they did win it last year. And uh, so they missed it by a year. But, you know, it was like, ah. Oh. So it was, there were was some humorous moments. But if we could have that machine to say, what does that look like in our lives? If you could look back over 30 years, there's probably moments in your life you could look back on now and say, that was a big moment in my life. And I may not have realized it. I may not have realized then this moment was going to be impactful all these years later. And maybe it was a good thing or maybe it was a thing you look back on and regret and say, man, if I could take that day back, man, if I could just go back in time and say, Phew, okay, I would. But I can tell you this, if love and faithfulness are who you are, okay, what happens? You in favor with God, in favor with man. There's a man in the Bible, and to me, he doesn't get the, the notoriety that he should. Um, we know a lot about his cousin, Esther, but his name is Mordecai. And Mordecai, when he was young, decided that his cousin, whose parents had died, he was going to adopt her. So he had no idea. He didn't have a love and faithfulness time machine to look ahead down the road to say, if I adopt my, my cousin, this is going to happen. But what happened with her was he adopted her, and she one day became the queen. So I like to look at it like this. Okay, He did the right thing by adopting her without... It's without superhero music playing in the background. I mean, watch the movie and you hear the music crescendoing. You know there's going to be a big moment. And like, even if you've been dozing off during the movie, when that music gets to that point, you know something big's about to happen. So he adopted her, did not know that down the road she was going to become the queen because the king, Xerxes, his wife Vashti wasn't doing the right thing, so he's had to get rid of her. And so ladies, I don't know if you would have liked this or not, but um, all the ladies who got picked to possibly win the beauty pageant all got to do one full year of spa treatments. How many women out there would be like, pick me? Okay. They got oils and myrrhs and perfumes and, and cosmetics. And she won the beauty pageant. And so now she's the queen. And you would think, well, you know, her cousin, obviously, you know, he, he raised her. I'm sure he's going to get a job in, inside the, the king's gate, working on the side, but he doesn't. And so here's what we find. We pick up the story in Esther chapter 2, starting in verse 21, because something happens. Okay. That later on, something happens because of the decision he made. So in chapter 2, verse 21, it says, During that time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. That's a big deal. You think it's no big deal? It's a big deal. Okay, He was sitting at the king's gate. Big Thana, he will be an offensive lineman for the Panthers in a couple years. I mean, guys, wouldn't you like to have your first and your last name be Big Thana or your first? I don't know. Big Thana. Okay, Big Thana and Teresh. Two of the king's officers were guarding the doorway, and they decided, hey, we don't like the king anymore. Let's assassinate him. And so Mordecai hears about the plot. He, he sends a message to the queen and says, hey, let your husband know what's going on. And she reports it to the king, and, he gives, and she gives credit to Mordecai to let him know, hey, my cousin's the one who told us about this. So what happens? 
The report was investigated, found to be true. The officials were impaled on poles. Sounds painful. And again, I underline this because this is a really big deal. All this is recorded in the book of the annals in the presence of the king. So he lets them know what's going on. And we pick up the story in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, here's what happens. Okay, The king has a, a right-hand man named Haman. And Haman does not like Mordecai because Mordecai will not bow to him. So Haman's number one goal in life is to get rid of that guy. He's like, I want to I kill him. And I want to kill everybody who is in his race of people. If I can get rid of them, this would be great. And so he gets the king to sign an oath that says, hey, you can wipe these people out. And the king doesn't realize what he's signing was he's signing a death warrant for his wife. Of course, the people don't know who his wife, what land race he's from. And so he gets this thing signed. And so Mordecai hears what's going to happen. He sends a message to his cousin to let her know, hey, by the way, this guy, Haman, he's trying to wipe me out and all of our family. So he, reads, he sends her a note in chapter 4. In chapter 4, he sends her the note, and here's what he says to her. He says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but maybe you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. So he's telling her, maybe you should do the right thing because he can hear the superhero music playing. This is a big deal. This is a big moment for her. What will she do? Now, obviously, in his life, he had modeled love and faithfulness because he chose to raise her, rescue her. And so now she's got a choice. And so she sends a message back to him. And she says, hey, gather gather the Jews, fast fast for three days, don't eat or drink, and then I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And then she said one one of these quotes from the book of Esther that most of us should know, if I perish, I perish. So she's like, hey, if it costs me my life, I'm willing to do that. I, I am going to do this. I could keep quiet, and you will die, and the rest of the family will die. But no, I'm, I'm going to go to my husband. So in Esther chapter 5, something happens. And man, I know for you, this is probably, if you're married, this is how it works at your house. Um, if you have a man cave, or you're watching TV, watching football, or whatever, and your wife wants to come in and see you, and you didn't tell her to come in, you probably put the gold scepter out. And when she comes in, you let her touch it, which says you can come in the room. Man, is that what you guys do when you're watching football? I mean, no, exactly. I know Pastor Farrell's got his Razorback scepter that I know that Charlotte, you know, if she touches, he says, come in, my love. Let's watch the movie together. Or let's watch, watch this football game. Let's watch the Razorbacks. So she goes to see her husband, and he welcomes her. He says, he puts the scepter out, he, she touches it, and he's like, honey, I love you. I know you didn't come in and announce, but I love you. What do you want? I'll give you half of my kingdom. And she goes, well, honey, I just want to do a banquet for you. I want to do a banquet for you and also your top guy, Haman. And so Haman finds out. He's like, yes. Well, Haman leaves. And what does he do? He walks past Mordecai. And what is Mordecai doing? He is sitting where he's been sitting for years at the king's gate. Just sitting at the gate. And he has a conversation with Mordecai. It doesn't go well. And so he goes home and he's complaining to his wife and his family about this guy, Mordecai. I can't wait to get rid of him. She's like, well, make a big poll and pale him on that pole. That'll get him. And so he's talking all about this. And so he's ready to, like, to finally get rid of this guy. Well, that night the king can't sleep. And if you can't sleep and you're the king, what do you do? You read. Okay? But here's the king. He has books on audio. He has audio books. What? Of course he does. He has audio books because here's what it says. He couldn't sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought to him and read. And look, look what's underlined. It was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed... Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate Xerxes. So think about this. We know through history that King Xerxes ruled for 21 years. 
And so he can't sleep this night, and things are getting ready to go really bad for Mordecai the very next day. And just by happenstance, just by chance, the king can't sleep, and he says, read me my history book because I'm bored, I can't sleep. And they just happen to open the books to that story. Do you think that really just happened by just by chance? No. This was an ordained moment because what had happened in his life, he had let love and faithfulness not leave him. He had bound it around his neck. He wrote it on his heart. He gained favor. So he reads this, and then he says, okay, I need to do something for this guy. And he asks, hey, have we done anything for Mordecai? Because this is it's a big deal. I mean, he saved my life all these years ago. So he calls Haman. He goes, Haman, Haman, Haman. What can I do for somebody that I want to show a lot of love to and a lot of honor to? I mean, I want to do something really big so everybody knows how much I appreciate him. When Haman's thinking, he's talking about me because he loves me. And so Haman's like, here's what I would do, king. I'd put him on your horse. I'd put your robe on him, put that crest on the horse's head, and I'd ride him through the town. Yeah. And then I'd have somebody proclaim how awesome he is. So Haman's planning his own party. I mean, yeah, what else would I want? Like a candy bar? Like a, you know, he's planning all these things. To do this, do this, this. And so the king says, brilliant. Go do that for Mordecai. Now, we don't see the look on Haman's face, obviously, through the scripture. But I'm sure the look on his face was, you've got to be kidding me. I, this is got to be the worst thing ever. And so he gets Mordecai from where? The king's gate. He knows where to find him. Okay, That's where he hangs out. Okay, puts him on the horse, prays him to a town, and he's the one proclaiming how great Mordecai is. So he goes home, and what does he do? He starts crying to his wife. Many of you have done that. You had a bad day, and you get home, and you're like, hey, it's the worst. This guy. So he starts complaining to her, and she goes, you know what? You better leave that guy alone. Okay, I don't think it's going to be going well for you if you don't leave him alone, because it sounds like King Kong likes him. And as this is going on, they come and grab Haman. They say, hey, it's time to go to that banquet that, that Esther planned. So he goes from a bad day, it's going to get better. So he goes to the banquet. And this isn't just your average banquet because the banquet's going on for at least two days. This is quite a party. And in the middle of the second day, his um, Xerxes says to his wife, he says, honey, I love you. You are the best. I've offered you half my kingdom. I'll give you half my kingdom. What do you want? And she said, well, honey, there's this guy and he's trying to kill my family. And he's like, what? Who would do such a thing? And she like, points like this and goes, the vile Haman. And now Haman, I'm sure his face went ghostly white. And the king was so mad. Have you ever been so mad that you couldn't even speak that you left the room? You were so upset. That's what the king did. Xerxes stormed out of the room. He was so upset. He was like, Argh! and then if you don't believe me, you can read this yourself at Esther 6. This is exactly what happens. Okay. Haman starts pleading with her. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And... As the king goes to walk back into the room, Haman trips and falls on top of the queen on top of the couch. And here walks the king. How many think the king was like, he thought he was mad. <laughs> he found a new man. Right? I mean, you think, oh man, I mean, my blood pressure is up to whatever. Now I just found a new level. And so, of course, that was the end of Haman. So, we see with Mordecai that he did the right thing even when superhero music wasn't even playing in the background. And finally, in chapter 8, finally, he gets rewarded. He gets Haman's old ring. He gets to be a part of the kings. He get, they, give half that, um, all of, they give all of Haman's possessions and his land all to Esther. And it, the story turns out to be you know, the happy ever after ending. But Mordecai didn't know this. 
Hey, he didn't know when he was when he was raising his cousin. And he didn't know sitting outside the king's gate when he didn't have a job there, just sitting outside there, what was going to happen. But he trusted, you know, if I do what I'm supposed to do, God's going to take care of me. God is going to take care of me. So the reality, though, in our lives is it doesn't always turn out the way we want. We know the law of reaping and sowing, okay? And we, we, we sow seed yesterday, and we want the, the harvest today, right? How many of you have ever done that? You planted it? I did that. When I was five years old, I grew up in the city. I had no idea how to farm. Pastor Phil could teach me a lot. And uh, so I got this peach seed, this peach pit, and I thought, I'm going to grow me a peach tree. So brilliant five-year-old, I took the peach pit, put it in a sandbox, poured water on it, and came back every day and opened, pulled it back to see what poured water on it so I could see if my peach tree grew. How many knew I never grew a peach tree that way? I had it in the wrong soil. I wasn't, I wasn't patient. Okay, But we do that. But love and faithfulness are like that. They, they, you reap what you sow. But the reality is this. It doesn't always turn out even the way we want it to here on earth. I read a friend of mine's Facebook status last night. They had a horrible tragedy in their family this last year. And to see his post about how, you know what, it was a tough year, but you know what, they're trusting God. And walking through, through the tragedy they went through, I'm like, you know what, they have the right perspective. They have the right perspective. Here's what Billy Graham has to say about being faithful. He says this, our job in life is not to be successful, but to be faithful. That's what God's called us to do. We may see success on, our, on what we see here on earth, but the reality is if we're successful or we're faithful in serving God, okay, he's going to take care of it. He always, he doesn't forget. He doesn't have a memory loss when it comes to are we serving faithfully? Are we, are we doing these things? Because if we do this, we bind them around our neck, we write them on the tablet of our heart, then we win favor. Now, there's a guy I went to college with. If you ever go to Washington, D.C. on the weekend, there's a church up there called National Community Church. Uh, friend, I would say he's a friend. I went to college with him. His name is Mark Batterson. And uh, Mark was a great guy. He was student body president. And it's been great to see what God's done in their church over the years. But Mark planted a church in 1996. Five years later, the church was still struggling, just barely off their feet. But they were, they were starting to make a little bit of progress, but really wasn't seeing the success he was looking for. And so one day, Mark gets a, a call from somebody at the Washington Post. And they said, hey, we've heard about your church because he was meeting at a bus station at that point. And if you go to their campuses now, they have eight campuses. They meet in coffee houses. They purchase theaters, bus stations. They have them all over the place, eight, eight locations there in the D.C. area. And they said, hey, but at this point, they were just one campus, and they just got kicked out of a school, and they really were just barely making it. And he said, we want to do an article on your, on your church. So the lady comes out, and she said, okay, thank you. We, we will, uh, it'll probably go in the religion section in the Sunday paper this week. So this is now 2001, back in the day we all bought newspapers. We didn't use our newspapers like this, right? Okay. And so he goes there, he puts in his quarters, pulls out the newspaper, pulls it up, looks at the religion section, nothing. He's like, you got to be kidding. He's flipping through the newspaper, he's like, okay, I did this article. She said it would probably hit the religion section, nothing. So he almost throws the newspaper out, and then he looks, and what had just happened was they were the front page of the Washington Post. Okay, you can't pay for that kind of advertising. You can't ask, you can't say, well, you put us on there. They chose to put him on the front page, and out of that one article, God has done amazing things, but he had to be faithful during the years where it wasn't looking like it was ever going to succeed. And if you look at their campus, say he writes lots of books. Okay, the book he wrote, wrote, just read, uh, wrote last year is called Chasing the Lion. It's a great book. Okay, um, and uh, he wrote In the Pit and a Lion on a Snowy Day. And there's just plenty of books that he's read that I, I love reading his stuff because, um, you know, just out of my relationship with Mark back in the day. 
But God did something because he stayed faithful. What if he had given up? August 12, 2001 would have come around and nothing would have happened. The church would have, um, you know, ceased to exist by that point. But he decided, you know what, I am going to stick with this. And that's my challenge to you today is, as we go into this next year, okay, if you want a word from God, get in the word of God. Okay, he will speak to you. He'll speak to you in your prayer life, absolutely. But if you want God to speak to you, get in his word. Pastor Farrell is the best I know when it comes to helping people to develop a spiritual growth plan. He has mentored me for so many years, encouraged me to get in the word and to grow in my faith. And if you do these things, you're going to see the results from it. Now, are you going to see it tomorrow? Probably not. Might it be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Okay, maybe it's in heaven. But if you do this, because I'm telling you, I can look back at certain times in my life and I didn't know then what I know now. And the late Steve Jobs, he had a quote when he was still here. And he talked about, now Steve was not a believer, but Steve had a quote that said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. Okay, so when he was developing Apple, okay, he had no idea what Apple was going to look like. I'm sure even today he would look back and say, if he could see what was going on, what had happened with Apple. But he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. And I would imagine if I sat down with you right now, you would have stories to say, man, on this day, back at this year, this happened, and God did this. For me, I met my wife on August 21st, 1993 at a wedding. I had no idea going to that wedding. What was going to happen? It was a good day. Okay. And we all have those days we can look back on it. So this last summer, my, my middle child, Caitlin, I think she's here this morning, and we had this deal. If I say my kids' names, they get $10. So Caitlin, wherever you are, $10 is coming your way. She... Um, my other two kids want me to say their names, so I get 10 bucks, but I will not say their names. So if you don't know them, I'm not telling you. She went to Peru. She went on a mission trip for three weeks, and they were going to places where they had very little access to any kind of technology. They went to the largest city in the world that you can only access by boat only. Of course, there was no Wi-Fi there. And so as she left, we took her to the meet with her organization she went with. I prayed for her, and I prayed Proverbs 3 over her. And I said, God, you know, let love and faithfulness never leave her, but let it bind it around her neck. And it was an emotional moment. And so for three weeks, we heard from her a little bit, but it was, you know, technology there. You'd FaceTime and you could tell she was alive, but you really couldn't see what was going on with her. And so, you know, we couldn't wait when we picked her up three weeks later because, I mean, as a parent, you're gone, kid's gone three weeks. That's a long time, especially not hearing a lot of stories from them. Um, but when I picked her up, she said, Dad, I got the opportunity to preach when I was there. And I preached Proverbs 3. I was like, oh, my goodness. So, um, so Mark Batterson has a quote in his book, Chasing the Line. I'm going to read to you guys, and we're going to conclude with that this morning. And it says this, We live in a culture that celebrates 15 minutes of fame, but God honors a lifetime of faithfulness. The longer I live, the more I believe in long-term obedience in the same direction. That phrase encapsulates my philosophy of ministry, my philosophy of life. If you keep doing the right things day in and day out, somehow, someway, someday, God will show up and show off. Amen? So that's my challenge to you. Yeah. If you do the right things day in and out, somehow, some way, someday, God will show up and show off. I don't know what your 2017 was like. I imagine there was mountains, but I'm sure there was valleys. But you know, here's what I know. I can trust God. I can trust because he is faithful. That's not my nature. I try to become my nature through his Holy Spirit to become faithful and to become loving, but I can't do it on my own. So if you're here this morning and you're like, hey, I'm going to church last Sunday of the year, that's great, but maybe your relationship with God, maybe you don't have that relationship or it's been a while. You can't, you can't love and you can't be faithful on your own. 
There's nobody who has that ability. The only way you can do that is with God's help. If I can get our prayer teams to come down. So this morning, we have our prayer teams come down. And if you need to start over with God, or maybe you don't have that relationship with God, okay, they would love to pray with you. If you have another need, I know over the holidays, a lot of things happen. I know in my family, just there's you know, when you get everybody together, there's just stuff. So we would love to pray for you, whatever that need would be. But I want to leave you with this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll in favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Let's pray. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life. We thank you, Lord, your word does not return void. This morning, Lord, as we wrap up this last service of the year 2017, Lord, we pray that, Lord, in all that we say and do, that, Lord, love and faithfulness would guide us. Lord, we pray for those that are sick and hurting, that you would bring healing to their bodies. Lord, for those who need to start over the relationship with you and give you their lives afresh and anew going to 2018, we pray they would do that as well. And we pray this in your name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 